Absolutely determined to make the first Carolina Panther training camp at Wofford a success, then-athletic director Danny Morrison had to employ a hands-on approach. We put together a comprehensive plan, had studied every training camp in the NFL, but we also knew there'd be a lot of competition out there, and uh, we were not flush with resources. The architect of what we now call Camp Wofford, Dr. Danny Morrison, next on the podcast. 25 seasons of Panthers football, a celebration of the players, coaches, and other people who have contributed to the organizational success. Now to Mick Mixon. Many of our guests on the podcast as we celebrate a quarter of a century of Carolina Panther football date their involvement into the Panthers at about the mid-1990s. The great Danny Morrison predates that by several years. We welcome the former Carolina Panthers president, former Wofford AD, and now the executive director of the Charlotte Sports Commission to our podcast. When did you first learn about the Carolina Panthers and how did it affect you, Danny? Well, it was 1987. I was in my second year, I guess. I came to Wofford in 1985 as AD, and I got a handwritten note from Mr. Richardson, 1987, and it basically said this, confidential. Danny, going after an NFL team for the Carolinas, and it signed Jerry Richardson. And so we wrote him back, and we said, when you get your team, we're going to be in a position to go after the training camp. And so nobody knew it was going to take some six years. And we studied every training camp in the NFL. We made several site visits. And so we knew what it would take to have an NFL training camp. It just so happened in 1986 at Wofford, there'd been this strategic plan, and it was called to improve quality. So every facet of the college was studied, and part of it was athletics. And so we had in the strategic plan a lot of things that we needed. And it just so happened that the needs of a training camp also mirrored the needs of some of the things that we had identified in that strategic plan in 1986. So uh, we put together a comprehensive plan, had studied every training camp in the NFL, but we also knew there'd be a lot of competition out there. And uh, we were not flush with resources at the time. And there were a lot of things that we would need to do for a training camp. We, had, we would have to acquire a lot of land uh, with no condemnation power. And we would have to build a facility that would be able to uh, have the proper locker rooms and training rooms and uh, weight rooms, those kinds of things. And we'd have to build a couple of uh, practice fields and eventually the following year build a stadium. So when the announcement was made on October the 26th, 1993, we knew we had a year and a half to get it done. And that was really a crunch time because not only did we have to uh, uh, purchase the land with no condemnation power, we had to raise the money for the facility, for the grounds. Um, we had to close a road, which is not easy to do in a city. And we were all in a very, very tight time frame. But we had great leadership. Uh, the Spartanburg community got behind it. We were able to say to people when we were raising the money that – these are things that Wofford needs anyway, and we have an opportunity to attract an NFL training camp 
to Spartanburg, which will be a wonderful quality of life for the young people in uh, Spartanburg to be able to come and watch an NFL team practice. And it just so happens that all the needs of the training camp marry the needs for uh, what we need at Wofford uh, regardless. And in a, in a really interesting way, it's nice to be lucky. A lot of the stars lined up. So we had the Chamber of Commerce was behind it. We had a great fundraising effort. We had uh, a leader in the, uh, by the name of uh, Bobby Penson, who was actually a Furman grad, played basketball at Furman. He led the fundraising effort. Uh, we were, we, we, uh, I remember the day where we really needed a, a, a major gift, a million-dollar gift, and Bobby was able to secure that gift, which was really the linchpin for the, for the whole enterprise, and we, we were able to get it done. There were a lot of stories of people um, helping out. It, it's, 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 it's a great story of little things that added up. Uh, we were close to being ready for the training camp, and we got we were top dressing the fields, kind of the final thing that you would do. And unfortunately, the person had um, bought not the highest quality sand that was doing our top dressing. So there were little pebbles that uh, just created all kinds of issues. And I can remember it's um, July the 4th, and there were probably 120, 150 people down there on the fields all walking, picking up the little pebbles to make sure that it was going to be first class for the Panthers. Including yourself and the head football coach, Mike Ayers, <laughs> probably the chancellor. Well, we had – I mean, it was really – it was a lot of people and just talks it, – it's it's – it says uh, what people can do when everybody works together. Nobody was worried about who gets the credit for what. There were many a days. I, I just think about Mike Ayers. Here's your head football coach. And we were so paranoid about somebody turning an ankle or anything like that. that literally, both of us would be on our hands and knees uh, trying to feel any undulation in the turf. And we would be rubbing sand in with our fingers to make sure that the field was perfectly leveled. And uh, I always heard you were hands-on athletic. <laughs> yeah, director. that was a little bit different. And uh, but it was a lot of it was a lot of fun. Uh, one night we had uh, we just sodded the bank, and we had this beautiful bank and a lot of uh, trees that were planted. And uh, storm washed all the all the um, turf down to the drain. <laughs> God. So there's about eight feet, uh, not, that's an exaggeration, probably five feet, cause, and the drain was all clogged up. And so Mike Ayers goes down. We were there early the next morning. It's probably 6, 6.30 in the morning. And Mike goes down to uh, try to find out where the drain is so he can unclog it and it's lucky we didn't that we didn't lose Mike then. If there had not been a the suction was so hard that if the drain hadn't been there, oh my God, uh, we might have lost him through the sewer lines or the the, the, the lines. But it was it was great project. Uh, it's been uh, unbelievable for Wofford with what it's done for name recognition and just identity. 
and what it's done for Spartanburg, not only from an economic development standpoint, but more importantly, quality of life. And uh, it's been a, a great marriage between the Panthers and the people at Wofford from day one. And they've continued to do that for some 25 years now. The people at Wofford have just gone the extra mile. You've seen it firsthand, Mick. Uh, and it really is a uh, uh, been, has been a great training camp for some 25 years. Danny Morrison on the podcast. Dr. Morrison, you've had such a storied career, you've touched a lot of different areas of the country, a lot of lives. Where on your list of career accomplishments that you're most proud of would you put uh, conceiving of the idea and then and then making training camp at Wofford happen? Well, you know, all projects I think are fun, and they're fun because it takes a lot of people to make it happen, and it takes everyone from those that were generous in giving uh, large gifts from those that were giving five dollars uh, to the project people that working on the grounds, the, uh, everybody that made it happen, uh, the people that were building the building at the time put enormous uh, effort into that to make sure it was finished in time because there was some concern. We had a meeting there on one Friday that was a pretty tense meeting. Uh, were we going to be able to make it work? And we said at that time, we will have it ready. And uh, we didn't have a lot of room to spare, but it was ready. And I just uh, – you, you love seeing uh, people come together and and make something that uh, was pretty special, and especially for a time when we, we didn't have a lot of resources. So we had, to, we had to find creative ways of getting things done to make it happen. Most people, Danny Panther fans who come to – training camp and who have been are familiar with the landscape, the practice fields, how those knit together so beautifully in that little, that little natural valley. Give us a sense of what that area of the Wofford campus looked like prior to all the work that was done to build fields there. Well, I was a student there at Wofford from 1971 to 75, and you, you really didn't go, and it was a, a street that ran, across, ran behind what we call the, the Snyder Field or the where the uh, Richardson building is now. Uh, well, actually, the street would, would run right in the middle of the Richardson building. And that was really a rough area. It was called the back of the college. At one time, it was a very uh, prominent um, community and a lot of history in the community and a lot of uh, leadership, especially uh, African-American leadership. But it had deteriorated over over time. We had a meeting at the Spartanburg City Council when we were closing the road because there was some uh, you know opposition like there normally would be on a project like that. And there was a wonderful man uh, who was on the city council, um, Roy Henderson, who was very active in the in in, um, in the civil rights movement. And he had been a coach at the at the time, the predominantly uh, black high school, and was just a wonderful man, great civic minded. And he got a question uh, asked at that city council meeting. I remember where he 
was asked the question uh, or somebody was saying how the Wofford was uh, destroying the neighborhood. And Coach Henderson tur- uh, stood up at the city council meeting and said, no, 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 Wofford hadn't destroyed that neighborhood. Uh, what happens in that neighborhood is that it has deteriorated. It's a wonderful neighborhood, and this is going to be good for the children of Spartanburg to have a chance to see an NFL team up close and personal. And he was uh, – that was, a, that was a, a strong statement that he made at the city council. And I remember um, I'd gone to see each one of the council members just to show them the plan so they would know what we were trying to do. And I remember sitting at uh, Coach Anderson's kitchen table going over those plans, and he said this is uh, – he always talked about the children – this is good for the children of Spartanburg. He looked me in the eye and said, I'll support this, this the road closing. This is important. Key piece of the puzzle, it sounds like. Danny Morrison, our guest on the, the podcast, what were the problems associated with land acquisition? Well, you did, there's no condemnation power. So and you couldn't take any parcel by, by force. Correct. And so everything had to be um, negotiated and so many of the properties had been passed down from generations. So there was a lot of the parcels that would have 10 owners. And we had an amazing uh, guy named uh, uh, Woody Willard he, who was in the uh, real estate business. He was an alumnus of Wofford. I know him well. And he, um, he finished Wofford a year ahead of me in uh, 1974. And here was this, uh, and, and Woody basically had a one- or two-person operation. So he did every one of those negotiations, and his gift to the college was he took no commission. And so here's another example of somebody working to make something happen that would be good for the community, good for Wofford, and I can't tell you the time and effort that he put into um, acquiring all of those properties and n- not taking any any uh, compensation for it it was a it was an amazing gift but there's a lot of stories uh, like that uh, one of the great benefactors of uh, Wofford over the years uh, is is the name Roger Milliken and you know that name and uh, mr. Milliken uh, such a important uh, 40-some year, 50-some year figure at Wofford. And he also recognized the value of the training camp. And so he was very helpful in providing uh, the funding for some of the land acquisition. And, uh, I mean, that was a critical piece. Without the land, I mean, we wouldn't have had the practice fields and plus – the campus would not be where it is today without the land acquisition. And then you fast forward. It's just funny how things can come together and you get lucky. Uh, so you have this strategic plan that was put together in 1986. A note in 1987 saying a training camp could be, a, I mean, a, that an NFL team coming to the Carolinas comes to fruition in 93 
Before that, we had made a move at Wofford from NAIA to NCAA Division II. Then we took the bold move of going Division I, and we didn't have a conference at the time. It just so happened training camp, facilities, Division I, and an opening occurred in the Southern Conference because Marshall ended up leaving the Southern Conference to go to the MAC. So they needed a football-playing school in the footprint. You already had Davidson and Furman and uh, VMI, Citadel, some schools that were similar size and uh, in the academic profile. But you also had Appalachian State, Georgia Southern. I mean, it's great. Uh, it was a great football league. And Wright Waters was the commissioner of the Southern Conference at the time. And um, he took a chance really, on this small school, could this small school compete with uh, major state universities? And if you think of the Southern Conference at the time, a microcosm of higher ed in America, public, private, large, small, military. So it had it all. And Southern Conference took a chance on this small college called Wofford, and a lot of the uh, the fact that we were having in some NFL-quality facilities really helped us uh, make the sale to the Southern Conference. And then we were so fortunate again that in our two major sports at the time, football and basketball, we had two amazing coaches, exceptional coaches, in Mike Ayers on the football side Richard Johnson on the basketball. Of course, he was followed by Mike Young. And um, how what Wofford has done in the Southern Conference and has been so competitive in all the sports is a great testament to really those two guys who gave us time to uh, build a program the right way. You're making it sound like all that conspired to make you into a pretty effective administrator when – it may be the other way around. You had a great hand in shaping all of that. Let's uh, We could reminisce all day, Danny, but let me, I want to be respectful of your time. Let's end it um, right here. I'm curious about the first training camp or two. Did they come off pretty smoothly in your estimation? Well, that first training camp was, you know, you go uh, a year and a half. That's really when I turned gray, actually. Um, and you go for a year and a half with the stress of we have to we there's no there's no option we have to be ready in 95 and back then if you recall training camps weren't the three weeks training camp they were like six weeks and they were going two a days sometimes three a days uh you know the two a days you may have a walkthrough as well so it was a long long training camp but um i really could never be more proud of the people that worked that camp. Uh, long hours, jumped through every hoop they could to make it work, and that first camp was a success. Thankfully, it had to be a success. There was no no option for it. And you know what we tried to do every year was to tweak it and improve it. And if you keep tweaking and improving it over the years, then you end up um, with something really special. And you recall, oh, I don't know, what was it, six, seven years ago, we did a refresh of the training camp. 
with um, and 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 really the theme there was to try to make it more um, Augusta-like, if you would, with flowers and ambiance and have a feel when you go there that you're going to a really special place. And uh, I think most people feel that way. It, you're up close and personal. Uh, you, you never have a chance to really get that close to NFL players. And everybody, and it's, it's all, it's stayed free. So no charge. People can come. And what was always interesting to me is how many people would come there on their vacation. And so that's fun t- uh, to talk with those fans. And I used to spend a good bit of time talking to the fans and uh, that were there for training camp, and it was always uh, great to hear their stories. There should be a statue of you down there with a sweet tea in your hand. We get that commission. Maybe we can get it built out of uh, balsa wood or recycled concrete or something yeah, like that. Styrofoam, <laughs> styrofoam. That'd yeah. be good. Yeah, I love it. Um, Danny, the podcast here doesn't speak for the entire organization, although it probably should. But uh, please accept from us the fact that uh, you're a vital part of the history of the Panthers, and we hope you're as proud of your association as uh, as the Panthers are to to have uh, have worked with you. Thank you, Mick. Enjoyed being here with you. We'll continue our historical perspective of the first quarter century of Panther football next time, right here on the podcast.